Row Brown Show. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Back Row Brown Show, brought to you by the Back Row Network. I am your host, Matthew Bruin. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB. You can find the show at Back Row Browns on Twitter, and of course, the network at the Back Row Show. Uh, got a great episode for you guys today. I will actually be having um, two of my co-hosts on our other fantasy podcast, or my other fantasy podcast, and we're going to break down the Cleveland Browns for the 2020 season, get their opinions and my opinions. The show was pre-recorded, so we will throw that in here in a minute. I just wanted to go over some of the news and notes uh, from the last time that I've been on as we have just gotten decimated with some injuries here. So, Nick Chubb was in the concussion protocol. He is out of it now. Uh, everything seems to be good. Just seemed to be kind of a low hit by Mac Wilson. I'm not really that upset about the Mac Wilson hit. Uh, I know a lot of people seem to be kind of upset by it. He's out there, a young kid, trying to make some plays. I imagine he didn't mean to tackle Chubb high. It just kind of happened. Uh, but that's what caused his concussion. Unfortunately, about a day later, two days later, Mac Wilson suffers the knee injury. I still haven't seen if there's anything being reported yet about what it is, but it does look like there's a chance he's going to have uh, season-ending surgery, or if he doesn't, I still believe that his season is pretty much over with. That obviously, uh, it's a big blow for us as Browns fans. You know, we we are already kind of weak at the linebacking core. I think that's the weakest part of our defense. And so to lose a guy like Mac uh, Mac Wilson, who a lot of us expected to take that step forward and kind of be the leader of that defense with Schobert gone, or at least the leader of that linebacking core, is a big hit for the Browns. Outside of that, we've seen uh, pretty much everything's good to go. Uh, we obviously had another injuries I'm recording today on the 24th, unfortunately, uh, which I'll get into in a minute. We had a huge uh, rash of positive tests yesterday, not just around the Browns, but a bunch of different teams. Seems that most of those were false positives, uh, which is obviously a good thing. Uh, Stefanski was one of them, as he addressed today, but the day, most of them came back saying that those were just a, you know, there was something wrong with the testing. Those were actually uh, not positive tests. They were they were negative. So that seems to be good as things are moving forward. We're about 20 days away from the start of the Browns season, which obviously we can't wait for. Uh, the Browns did sign um, Malcolm Smith, who uh, former NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, obviously that was probably a move made in regards to the uh, Mac Wilson injury where we will likely not again be able to see him this season. Just sucks, man. It really does. Unfortunately, continuing on the injury train here, David Njoku seems to have re-injured his wrist, uh, the same wrist that he broke last year after jumping up for that uh that, that pass by Baker earlier in the season. Um, not sure if he's going to be ready or not. There's a lot of reports coming out of camp that he's being outplayed by Harrison Bryant as well, which is is not surprising. Uh, you know, as much as I love David and Joku, uh, I'm a huge Buckeyes fan as well. And seeing what Bryant did against that defense uh, with FAU was outstanding. Uh, he, he's a phenomenal offensive weapon. I do think that. Whether they keep Njoku or not, I think uh, Bryant is the future of that position. I'm pretty sure we address it a little bit in the episode here, but if not, I, I really think it would be smart for the Browns to trade him at this point. Uh, maybe not, maybe right now, uh, but as we move in toward the season, there's a lot of teams that don't have like a solid tight end, and Njoku is just an offensive weapon. You know, He's not necessarily the blocker you want, and he, he's definitely struggled with catches. Uh, but last year, before he got hurt, 
you know, he, he actually looked a lot better catching the ball. Some of that I'm sure came from just his, his practicing with the jugs machine and catching all those balls. I'd, I'd like to see Njoku get another shot, and I kind of feel like that's not going to happen with Cleveland. They picked up his fifth-year option, so they technically have him for this year and next season. Why not move him? You have a better chance of getting a lot more for him now, or maybe after he plays a couple games and reproves his worth, uh, and, and trade him and get something for him. Uh, you know, as, as a guy that he said he after the whole trade debacle, I think last time I recorded this actually, he was still in the hole. He wants to be traded thing. He did come back. Seems like he talked to Stefanski and, and all those guys. And we're like, you know what? I want to stay with Cleveland. I want to be with Cleveland for a long time. Uh, and I appreciate that. And I love that he said that came out and said that. But I feel like it's just this is not going to be the place for him to grow. And I like the kid. I, I want to see him succeed on and off the field. And so it might be time for the Browns to probably move away from him, at least in my opinion, later this offseason if he's able to kind of accrue some value. Last but not least, before we get to the little fantasy uh, uh, talk about the 2020 season, un- unfortunately, Grant Delpit uh, was carted off the field today holding his Achilles. Uh, at this point in time, there is no exact wording what it is, but everybody's pretty much saying it is an Achilles injury. Uh, that's a huge blow. Another huge blow to this defense. You know, it, it was just he suffered it in individual drills earlier uh, on Monday's practice, and you know, they have Carl Joseph, who they signed in the offseason, which is great. You know, I talked about that in the free agent pod. I think that it was a good signing for them to bring him in. But the fact of having Denzel Ward, Greedy Williams, and Grant Zelpit in that secondary, all these young guns, I thought this secondary was primed to look really good. And now Grant Delpit's out. You know, you lost your leader in the middle there in Mac Wilson. I, I'm a little bit more worried now about this defense going into the season than I was say, at the beginning of training camp. I, I really really kind of like the the moves that they made and the way this defense was progressing. And I'm a little bit worried about it now with the injuries that they've suffered. Uh, you know, obviously it happens. We need to expect it to happen, but it does suck. Uh, obviously, us as Browns fans, we're coming in with a, with a fair amount, not necessarily expectation, but a little bit of hype. We're excited to see what these guys can do with a guy like Kevin Stefanski. You know, we were all hyped on last year with what Freddie Kitchens had done for half the season with Baker, and I feel like Stefanski comes in with a little bit better mindset, better, uh, you know, resume. I think he's going to be a better coach overall, better offensive plan. Uh, I don't think they're going to do the trick plays. They seem to have a set-based offense that they're going to run, which I love. Uh, they went out and built around that as well, getting offensive pieces in Conklin, you know, drafting uh, Jedrick Wills, bringing in Austin Hooper, like they bringing back Rashad Higgins. Like, they've done such a good job to build – the way that they want to for this team. So losing guys like Delpit and Wilson sucks. You know, we're lucky that we haven't lost anybody on the offense. You know, that's me knocking on wood, hoping that that doesn't happen. Uh, but again, we are, we're 20 days away from the season. Uh, a huge game against Baltimore week one, which is just obviously uh, not going to be an easy one. Uh, you know, we're um, if you want to listen in on us on the Fantasy Football Roundtable uh, on Thursday, actually, we will be breaking down the AFC and, and kind of talking about what we think the Browns can do. Uh, I might upload that episode as well here next week. Uh, but outside of that, I'm going to drop uh, us talking about what we expect from the Browns in the 2020 season here in a minute and then uh, I won't be back here with you guys until the beginning of the NFL season the week that the season starts I'll come on and I'll do my preview show uh, and get you guys set up and ready for what I'm going to drop with the Browns every single week so I'm excited we're just again 20 days away from the start of the Browns first uh, game against Baltimore I cannot get here quick enough if you're in fantasy football leagues which I imagine most of you are who are listening to this you know this is it these next two weekends are like the big weekends 
weekends for home drafts and everything. So good luck to your home drafts. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to hit me up at SportsFanaticMB. We actually have a Discord channel now. Uh, we're there. There's five of us experts in there, analysts, whatever you want to call us. And they're trying to help people out as much as possible. So if you want that, you can hit up my DMs, and I'll send you a link to that. Uh, we're there to help out as many people as we can, as often as we can. Uh, but with that all being said, go Brownies. And I will talk to you guys again in a couple weeks, getting ready to preview the Browns' 2020 season. Snap is back. Ball is down. The kick is blocked. They got it. Denzel Ward blocked the field goal try. And that's the end of the first half. Can Denzel Ward do anything else? When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. 50, Nick Chubb! Hasta la vista, baby! Nick Chubb! We are live on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. We've got Mr. Fox back with us here again on this beautiful Thursday. We are talking the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals and all Ohio show today. How are you gentlemen doing on this uh, beautiful Thursday, just three weeks away from live NFL action? Well, most of us are live anyways, except Boomer the Duck. (laughs) Our condolences. I'm doing uh, doing pretty good. It's been a crazy week at work, but it's almost seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This I should have just I was I was off Monday Tuesday. I was supposed to be up at uh, Dennis's rocking the the fantasy Midwest Expo shirt. I was supposed to be up there this year for finally being able to make my way up there. And uh, yeah, obviously with everything going on with the shit show that we can, we consider 2020 uh, that got canceled. So I wasn't able to make it up there. So I ended up going into work and I'm seriously regretting that decision. I feel like I should have just taken off. This this has been just a horrible week, but it is almost over. And as I mentioned, we are just three weeks away from live NFL action. Like me and Matt and probably Tony will be sitting here in three Thursdays previewing a Thursday night football game between the Houston Texans and the Kansas City Chiefs. And then Friday, you will see the three of us together previewing the entire NFL slate. I cannot wait, man. I I need some football in my life so bad. So I cannot wait for that to happen. What's a Tony? What's a Tony? I don't know. Tony the Tiger, right? Uh, (laughs) Hey, we should say our friend Tony got a new house. He did. That's why he's not with us. That is why. Good good reason. 
Let's no, 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 let, let's correct that really quick. It's not a house. He has bought a palatial estate. Yeah, all right, he he's quite the estate. Peyton Manning lives in Denver now, so he had to put his place up. There. I know, Tony. Yeah, Tony bought Peyton Manning's house, his old house. We're, we're not even joking with you. Like he, it's a beautiful looking house. Yes, very much. Congratulations to Tony. Uh, I know that is why he's kind of missed a lot lately. He's had a lot going on. Anybody who's gone through that process knows what it's like. So he he's got a lot going on, but he should be back with us next week as we're doing a. Uh, some of the AFC NFC stuff. stuff uh, my goodness, I can't talk conference stuff. So we are uh, we are very excited for him, though. So congratulations again to Tony. Uh, it's um, I know it's been we, a we really some place to stay him. next year when we go to the combine. Exactly, we can That's stay exactly. in the pool house. He won't even know we're there. We could just sneak right. in and stay at like the left wing, and he won't even notice we're there. So yeah, it's it's gonna be awesome though. I can't. Uh, I'm happy for him. I really am. Is this we? It, I don't want to give too much away. We didn't know he was very excited to get that house. So we're, we're very happy for him. But as you guys can see from this flag behind me and this Jersey that I decided to throw on today, we're talking about my Cleveland Browns. I cannot wait to kick this season off. I had a little bit more excitement at this time last year, talking about my Browns because I thought they were going to be a playoff team. I'm, I'm tempering expectations a little bit more this year, uh, but they do have a very exciting team. Live and learn, to, Matt. Live and learn. You know, I was going to say clearly by me throwing this on, I haven't because I still, you know, live and die with the Browns. And I, um, what was the the quote I heard today? If you want to be good at fantasy football, you have to divorce yourself from the fan mentality. And I have yet to figure that out in like my decade of playing fantasy football. But for the Cleveland Browns, they finished six and ten last year. Um, do we? I guess the easiest way to ask this is: same old Browns, new coaching staff. Seems like every year they get a new coaching staff. But do you guys believe in this one? There's been a lot of hype about Stefanski and the way that they are doing things now in Cleveland. What are your guys' thoughts on the new coaching staff with the Browns? Barry Stefanski 2020, man. Barry <laughs> Stefanski 2020. Beats the other options. I don't disagree with you on that. Barry him, like, put him in the ground? That doesn't sound that optimistic. No, Andrew Andrew Barry. Andrew Barry, uh, the, the, uh, the general manager. Who's done phenomenal, uh, I think. Yeah, so Barry Stefanski. Big brain you know. guy in the office. <laughs> I think, I, you know, if they get off to uh, like a hot two and four start, it might be Barry Stefanski with the B-U-R-Y version. Right. Yeah, but possibly. I, you know, Cleveland's too talented to – we were too talented for where they finished last year. I know you don't want to hear this, but, I, you know, that was disappointing even to non-fans, I think. You know, I thought they were going to make – make it in there. I almost wonder if they're not in for a, you know, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota year two kind of post-hype sleeper. Because if you remember when, when Cousins went there the first year, everybody's like, oh, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. They were in the NFC Championship game last year. And, you know, they didn't they rolled out and didn't even make the playoffs. And it didn't go as planned. But, you know, after a year being together and figuring some things out with Kevin Stefanski, they made it into the playoffs, and I think that that could easily be the track for Cleveland. Yeah, I I am excited about it. Uh, I'm excited about the season, obviously. I, I don't want to get too excited. I do like the, the hire of Stefanski. You know, Dennis mentioned uh, Andrew Barry there. I think he's done phenomenal things in that front office. They all seem to be pulling the same direction, I think, which is huge because last year you had the front office and, and Freddie Kitchens going one way and then all the analytics going another way. Everybody seems to be pulling in the same direction. You know, Baker seems to be a little bit different. 
Uh, obviously, some of the news that's come out here lately with the Chubb concussion, Mac Wilson's knee injury isn't a great way to start off the season. But regardless, I, I'm with you. I have high hopes, mostly because they added that extra playoff team this year. So I feel like we really have a shot to make the playoffs. If nothing, our odds are just a teeny tiny bit better. Exactly. All right, so new additions. As I mentioned, Andrew Berry has been busy this offseason. Case Keenum comes in to back up Baker on a two-year contract. Yes, back up Baker. He is not going to be the starter for anybody who keeps floating that nonsense out there. Uh, Austin Hooper comes in on a four-year contract. He is the most expensive tight end, uh, or gets the, the highest-paid tight end contract in the business. They bring back Rashard Higgins on a one-year contract, which I thought was a great move. Hunt comes back on a one-year contract. Uh, Jojo Natson, I just threw this in there because he's a really explosive special teams player. He's not going to mean anything for fantasy, but I, I personally am just excited to watch him play. So that's why I threw it in there. Again, not not much for fantasy, but Garrett does get the huge extension, was the highest paid defensive player for like three days before Joey Bosa got his contract. David Njoku, they exercised his fifth-year option. Harrison Bryant, uh, they drafted in the fourth round. And Donovan Peoples-Jones got drafted in the sixth. They did not lose anybody of real note on the offensive side and expiring contracts at the end of this year. Kareem Hunt, Dontrell Hilliard, and Rashard Higgins. Fantasy finishes. Baker finishes QB 19 with 250.18 points. Chubb, RB 8 with 255.2. Kareem Hunt, RB 47 with 101.4. Only played in the seven games. Landry, wide receiver 12 with 237.4 points. Odell, wide receiver 25 with 201.3 points. And then Austin Hooper, tight end 6 with 191.7. All of that with the Falcons in 13 games. A new offensive system. This is Baker's third year in the NFL, and it is his third offensive system. Kind of been jerking this guy around a little bit, I think. I know me and Dennis have talked about it before. We've been on here a little bit longer than Matt's been with us. Uh, we've always talked about with, with rookie quarterbacks and just quarterbacks in general, keep switching offensive scenarios and coaches every year is not a good thing for you. So what do you guys think about Baker? Is this his prove-it year? I mean, he, again, third year in the league with a third, third new offensive coordinator. If he doesn't have a good year, do you guys think the Browns might move on from him? Well, I think he'll be there in his fourth year, definitely. Um, the Stefanski offense is going to take some pressure off him. They're going to run the ball a little more uh, un unless they have offensive line issues. When you've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you have the ability to take the pressure off the quarterback. And the way it's set up, with two excellent wide receivers, good tight ends, and two great running backs. There's no need for Baker to press. They've got a decent offensive line. Uh, and so I think that he'll have a good season, uh, even if he's if his stats maybe are just a touch under what we might want, because I do expect the rushing attempts to go up significantly. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, we've seen Baker put up some incredible fantasy stats and the team not win, and we've seen him put up some marginal stats and the team not win. I think the measure of success for him is getting into the playoffs. If you look at what Cousins did in Stefanski's system last year, he was probably better in terms of what you saw in the NFL than necessarily for fantasy. He was a middle-tier QB, too. Um, I think that should be a starting point for Baker. I think he could end up being higher than that. Um, but, you know, 
I think for him, he would probably tell you the same thing. The metric for him being successful, they want to capitalize on their hype and make it into the playoffs. And if they get into the playoffs and he's QB 20, I don't think any Browns fans are going to be complaining. I might be, but that's just because I own him on way too many teams. So that'll hurt my fantasy chances. But yeah, I'm with you guys. I don't think it's a, a prove it year. I kind of put that question in there is I do a Browns podcast, obviously as well for the back row uh, network. And it seems like a lot of people are talking about the the signing of Case Keenum, which was a little bit weird. They they brought him in and paid him an absurd amount of money for a backup quarterback, but the Browns had the cap money to spend, whatever. He comes in with knowledge of that offense, which I think is going to help out Baker as well. I, I don't think Baker goes anywhere. I think at worst, like Dennis mentioned, he's for sure going to be there year four. I would be surprised if they don't pick up his fifth-year option, and that I think will be the prove-it year if he continues on that downward trend. But I think – as Matt mentioned, we saw way too much that rookie year for me to think he's going to be bad. I just they needed to take pressure off of him, and I think this offensive system, like Dennis mentioned, is going to do that. It, it suits Baker's skill set better than what Freddie tried to do in the second half of that season. Well, I don't think that Browns fans should be worried about Keenum. I think every time they bring up Keenum as the starter, I think they just need to say, "Well, do you remember Jim Sorgi?" I mean, when Peyton got hurt and Jim Sorgi was the quarterback of the Colts, it was it was a disaster. And so had, there's nothing – a smart team has a capable backup quarterback. You might not have a quarterback like Peyton Manning as your backup, but you damn well better have somebody, if the quarterback gets hurt, that isn't going to be the reason you don't win. They can be – it's okay for them to not be the reason you do win, but you don't want them to consistently be the reason you don't. Well, and it, if you think about it too, Keenum had arguably his most successful year as a pro there in Minnesota when Stefanski was on the staff, and it was in that very position. He didn't come there with the expectation that we're going to roll him out as a starter. When they lost, I think it was Bradford, who they traded yeah. for, when they lost Bradford, he was able to come in and have some success. So he's a guy that knows the system that, if nothing else, can be a good mentor uh, for Baker going through and learning the system and gives you some insurance. So I think we saw a couple of teams that hope to contend moving to give themselves some insurance because we've seen what happens when you're a contending team that has an unfortunate quarterback injury and can't sustain a certain level of play. Yeah, and, and I agree with that on on both counts. Like uh, what Dennis said and what you just said makes a lot of sense. If Baker were to go down, which I mean, please dear God, don't let that happen. But if he were, as Matt mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the Browns have so much talent that even bringing in a capable backup like Case Keenum should allow. He's going to give the Browns a couple more wins than they would if they threw out there a you know, Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges type like the Pittsburgh Steelers did last year. Like Case Keenum is better than them, and they have the talent to possibly push their way into the playoffs with him. He may not take them to the Super Bowl, but he can get them wins to push toward a playoff run. Uh, so Chubb Hunt, Hunt Chubb, Chubb Hunt. I mean, everybody seems to talk about them splitting time like Freddie did last year. I, I did not think that that was handled well, although it seems like everybody kind of thinks Freddie kind of handled things pretty badly last year. What do you guys think will be the split between those two, or how do you expect them to be used in the 2020 season? Well, Stefanski has said that he's looking to use some 21 personnel, not just 12 personnel. So there'll be 
times when they're both on the field. Chubb is going to get get a lot of carries. He's firmly inside uh, my top twelve. I think I got him at ten, so maybe I got him at twelve. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not as firmly inside there <laughs> as I think he is. Um, but I, I feel like Chubb is on the brink of leading the NFL in rushing this year. Uh, that offensive line should be able to produce for him. They've got a passing game that can open it up, and a, much like having Keenum, should Baker get hurt, having a back like Kareem Hunt as your second running back, you don't have to necessarily switch things up with your offense. So there'll be some, you know, misdirection that'll open up stuff. Chubb is going to get plenty of work. Is it going to be 80-20? Probably not. But I, I think 300 carries is probably in the works for Chubb. Yeah, I think they'll both end up having a role. We, we've, I think, all thought that Kareem Hunt will probably be more involved as a pass catcher, um, and that makes a lot of sense. You saw, you know, for a while there when uh, – when they had Alexander Madison last year, both he and um, Cook had games where they were fantasy relevant. I don't think we'll see Chubb maybe hit some of the uh, some of the receiving numbers that that Cook had, but I think you can see they they very much want to want to run, and uh, you know we saw them both be very effective. I think they're both going to end up being weapons. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on that. I, I think the, the biggest difference for me is, and I get most of us now playing PPR leagues, but I think Chubb is such a good runner. And behind that offensive line, he is going to put up points that, yes, if he was getting the PPR points, if he was getting catches out of the backfield, he'd be even better. But he's still good enough running the ball that he's going to, at least in my opinion, as well as uh, Dennis's. I think, Matt, you've got him in there too. He's going to finish as a top 12 running back in fantasy just based on his pure running ability. Because when they get down in the in the red zone, I think they're going to give the ball to Chubb more than they do Hunt. Uh, but Hunt is going to get some work. There's no doubt about it. They keep talking him up. And as Dennis mentioned, they'll go into that 21 personnel, have them both out on the field. Could be something where they fake the play to Chubb and then Hunt goes out on a little screen pass and they throw it to him. I had nothing against that, but I do think uh, – I was in an argument with someone on Twitter the other day saying that they have – not only do they have Hunt above Chubb, they think he's going to fin- finish much higher than Chubb in fantasy points this year. I don't see that unless Hunt get, or Chubb, uh, Chubb gets hurt. There's just no way. Chubb is – Chubb is not the pass catcher the Hunt is, but he is the better back, in my opinion. And his running ability is so much better than Hunt's. I know Hunt led the league in rushing his rookie season, but Chubb is just different. I think Chubb is going to be a phenomenal back for them. And I do think, as we saw with Minnesota the past couple of years, they're going to lean heavily on the run to set up that play action and that that uh, the kind of play action passes that works well for Baker and his game. Uh, do you guys think it's even close before we move on to the next one of, of Hunt outscoring Chubb for fantasy this season if they both stay healthy the entire season? I don't. You're muted, Dennis. No. <laughs> Short and sweet. Well, I think he feel it, go. it's yeah, going to be. A, oh, you're good. You froze up on us for a minute. Yeah, you're good. Now, Chubb, you know, Chubb's going to be pushing 300 carries, and and I think Hunt is going to be in the you know 140, 150, but Chubb will probably have 20, 25 pass passes uh, receptions. 
And Hunt will probably be around 50, 50 or 60. So, uh, no, he's not going to outscore him. Yeah. All right. So, OBJ, by his own admission, the training staff coaches seems to be fully healthy now coming into this season. No no injuries or anything. Obviously, we won't see any preseason games. Uh, they'll just have the practices, which obviously you can still get injured in, but he, he's coming in fully healthy. What is the ceiling for him and your guys' expectation in this offense um, for him in 2020? Take it, Matt. For uh, which player are you dropping? For Odell. Oh, uh, I I think he'll still end up being the better uh, of the two uh, receivers for fantasy finishes. I had him. I was just going to check uh, since we, we have our handy. I'm going to pull a Dennis. And actually, before I say my position, double check. Um, I think he'll be you know right in their wide receiver two range. I think uh, another year with Baker will be – uh, will help that relationship. It seemed like at times last year they weren't quite on the same page, and I think that'll be a little bit uh, better this year. But the the real the real question is, you know, they have a lot of pass catching options now in Cleveland, and they also have a couple of great running backs. And you know, in this system, they would really like to to run and build a lead and play some good defense. So even though they might have a better connection and more success when they're throwing it, they may not have to throw it as many times, which is, I think what puts, you know, it's almost an embarrassment of riches, which might put a ceiling on all of the pass catchers. Yeah. I I have Beckham at wide receiver 16. Uh, So for reference, that was DJ Chark's position last season. Uh, I'm trying to grab Chark's numbers here real quick. To see what that stat line looked like, so I'll talk here and stall. Oh, I'll, so, I'll give his fantasy points really quick while you do that. He finished with two hundred and twenty-five point eight fantasy points, averaged fifteen point one points a game. And then you give his Chark NFL did? stats. Yeah, yeah. Chark, Chark had seventy-three receptions for a thousand and eight yards and eight touchdowns. So, to me, that seems like a he had a hunt. What hundred and eighteen targets? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a decent target share um, when you reduce the the play differential between the Vikings and the Browns last season was three. So there was only three plays difference, but the Vikings ran the ball, I think it was 84 times more than, than the Browns did. So Beckham's numbers are going to be, you know, they have to be impacted by that. Uh, and Baker isn't going to – I don't think he forces the ball uh, yeah. 12 or 15 times to one receiver. He'll, he may force the ball a couple times early to get Beckham involved, but then once he's got his attention, then Baker's going to who's open. Uh, and frequently that's Jarvis Landry. You know, Landry will probably be in the same area with catches. He won't have quite the yardage and, and may not have the – the touchdown numbers Beckham does. I mean, Beckham is the more dynamic player. So uh, I like Beckham to, you know, be a mid to high wide receiver too next season. Yeah. Uh, that's why I wish we had preseason games. So uh, he's actually targeted 133 times last year. I'm sorry. I thought he, uh, he caught 74 balls for a hundred and a hundred, a thousand thirty five yards with the four touchdowns. Odell was not, not Chark. Odell. Chark? Oh, 
No, no, that was Odell's gotcha. stat. Odell was was targeted 133 times. So I agree that I don't think it goes up that – or actually, I think it could go up more. Um, if you go look at what Stefanski was part of the offense with Minnesota before – Matt, what's his name? It just jumped out of my head. Kubiak, Jer- Gary yeah. Kubiak. Before Kubiak came over there, they were very – they were more pass-heavy. They were more about getting their wide receivers involved. I do think that they're bringing over – I think Stefanski has even come out and said, I'm bringing over the Kubiak offense. He's not – maybe that exact wording in the quote, but he referenced how Kubiak runs his offense, and that's how he wants to do it in Cleveland. That being said, I do think that Odell is going to get more chances because the other thing is he is one of the best route runners in the game – I think with the play action, all it takes is for him to make that one move and he's going to get open. And the difference with this year, I think compared to last year, and I know Dennis, I know, watches a lot of the Browns games. I can't remember what game it was. I think it was the Seattle Seahawks game where the Browns were obviously winning early. Seattle starts coming back and then uh, Odell beats his guy on the outside and has easily, I think it was five or six yards separation. And Baker couldn't get the ball to him because of how bad the offensive line was. And that happened a lot last year. And not just Odell. Jarvis, as Dennis mentioned as well, was getting open. And with the way that that offensive line is hopefully going to be improved with Wills coming over there on the left side, you've got Conklin now on the right-hand side. I think it allows Baker a little bit more time to allow guys like Odell to get open. So I I do think he's going to be in for big year. I have him at nine, so I'm obviously the highest uh, out of all of us on him. I think he's going to return – you know, again, four touchdowns last year. If he even gets a couple more, he shoots up the rankings past guys like Chark and everything who were at 16. They just didn't get him uh, the ball enough, I think, in the red zone either. So I, I'm expecting a big year from Odell, as I just mentioned. What do you guys uh, What do you guys expect from Landry? Uh, Dennis, I know you kind of mentioned it there a little bit. Uh, I'll, I'll just start mine first. Since I'm expecting such a big year for Odell, I'm expecting Landry to take a little bit of a hit. Still think he gets a very decent uh, workload and of volume. I think they will throw the ball to him a lot, but I think his touchdowns come down a little bit. Probably his yards. I was trying to remember where I had him ranked and I accidentally closed out of that window, but I want to say it was right around 22 or 23 if I'm remembering correctly. So um, I'm expecting him to take a little bit of a dip here. This I have 24. So I have him as, a, had him at 24. So I have him as yeah, a wide sorry. receiver too. Uh, but I, I do think he takes a little bit of a dip because of the way I'm expecting Odell to jump up. What are your guys' thoughts on Landry for 2020? I, I have him right at that same exact spot at 24. Um, you know, he led the team in receptions last year with, I think, 83 compared to uh, – Beckham's 74 uh, and had the edge on him in yards as well. So Landry had one of his better seasons on a yard per reception basis um, with 14.1. I do think that's going to come down a little bit and his um, receptions will come down a little bit. So he'll be behind uh, Beckham. Not too far. Like I said, I've got him ranked at uh, what sixteen and twenty-four. So I have them both as wide receiver twos. Yeah. Yeah, I have Landry just a little bit uh, behind that. I had him at twenty-seven, so just uh, outside wide receiver two range. Again, I I'm more. I guess I, I'm more cautious than the other of you about uh, thinking. You know, with, with so many targets, because we figured Kareem Hunt's going to get plenty of targets. They now have two tight ends they're trying to work in there. They have a couple other receivers that could get in there. I think uh, we'll see them come down a little bit as the team's more successful. 
So the tight end room is is actually kind of interesting here. They they obviously brought over Hooper. I put Hoppers on here, which I thought was kind of funny. They brought over Hooper in the offseason. Uh, David Njoku, who earlier in the year requested a trade, now is all in on Cleveland after you had a chance to sit down and talk with Barry and Stefanski, which I do like. I do like to sat down and talk with them. He's a, he seems to be all in, doesn't want to leave Cleveland now. And they drafted Harrison Bryant, which I know Dennis watched because we constantly bring up uh, the way Anthony McFarland torched uh, the Buckeyes when Maryland played them. While they beat the crap out of FAU, Harrison Bryant had himself a game against the Buckeyes uh, was it last year. Uh, and he's a very good tight end, and they drafted him in the fourth round as well, which I think in a way, honestly, kind of spells bad news more for Njoku than it does Hooper. But what are your guys' thoughts on the floor and ceiling for Hooper? And then your, if you have any thoughts on Njoku or Harrison Bryant for 2020 or beyond? Well, I have had Njoku outscoring Hooper, and I'm sticking to it. You know, They're both, I think, going to be low-end tight end twos, uh, in part because they'll cannibalize each other. They'll with running the 12 personnel, uh, Njoku is the better athlete, I, and I think that's going to show up. Uh, Harrison Bryant is somebody I, I think this is a team that's building for the future. Yes, they exercised Njoku's fifth-year option, so they do have him for a couple more years. Uh, Hooper they signed to, I think, what, a four-year contract. So they would seem to be set. I, I'm not going to count on Bryant to have a breakout for at least a couple of years. But I do like um, Hooper and, and Njoku to, you know, being both of them being probably the 40 to 50 reception range. Uh, I, I think a, after the two wide receivers, Njoku and, uh, damn it, Hooper and Hunt are all going to be kind of clustered together uh, in, in that with their receptions. Yeah, I think this year it's, it's pretty much going to be Hooper and Njoku. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting. Njoku obviously in a contract year expressed some displeasure earlier this off season. They seem to have resolved it for this season, but it wouldn't be a, an incredible shock to see him end up moving on at the end of the season. In which case, if they like the idea of having two tight ends, uh, Bryant gives them that kind of security for the future. Yeah, I, I'm actually all in on Bryant for the future, regardless of what uh, what Njoku does. I just think he's he's too good of an offensive weapon. Uh, he, he'd be a guy that I'd be buying in, especially because of the way Stefanski runs his offense in that two tight end system. I do, obviously. It seems like we all are kind of leaning toward the Browns being successful this year. If that continues, that means Stefanski's likely going to be here for longer than a year or two, which most Cleveland Browns coaches don't make it past two years. Uh, and if that's the case, I think Bryant's going to be a guy that they lean on moving forward. So Bryant's a guy I would buy into dynasty uh, leagues, dynasty startups, because he's a guy you can get really late. Um, you know, I love Njoku. I, I love when they drafted him. I, I don't know if I see a future with him with the Browns. I'd love for him to stay because I think he's a physical freak, but I think uh, I know he's he's here this year. I think uh, Matt said in contract, yeah. he'll be here next year because of the fifth yeah. year option. Yeah, they have, they have him for two more years, but they, they can get out of it after the 2020 season with yeah. just $3 million in dead cap. So it, it's not an insurmountable task to do. Yeah. And by, offer, by, by exercising that option, it gives him the, the – it gets in his head that, hey, they want me here. I'm going to be a good soldier. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to play hard. I'm going to quit squawking about wanting to be traded. 
And who knows, something good comes from it, and he's, they keep him for two years. Yeah. Yeah, I would think if anything, if – which just may be crazy to say because we heard all the trade uh, trade rumors obviously around the draft. There was talks about him possibly going to Washington for Trent Williams, which now I'm kind of glad they didn't do that deal because I love the way that they built their offensive line together and getting a guy like Wills uh, to be a, to be the younger possible, you know, I don't – want to compare him to Joe Thomas, but in hopes of like having a career like that, right? Like become, come and be the left tackle and stabilize that offensive line for at least a decade. Uh, but I could see them if Njoku goes out there and has a good year, which we are both expecting. I believe Matt is as well with the way they're going to use Njoku and Hooper. They could move him next year. And he's still like you just mentioned, very cap friendly situation with the fifth year contract that they can move to another team, possibly get something back. And then maybe that team decides to re-sign Njoku. You know, I know I've talked about it on the Browns podcast. I'd love to see him go to a place like Washington because I think he could be an absolute deadly weapon there for Haskins at that tight end room. There's a lot of teams that need a good tight end. Uh, and I've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again. I think Njoku looked better last year before he got hurt. He was not dropping the ball as much as he had been the past couple years. He had admittedly been very, you know, when working on that in training camps on the jug machine. So I'd love to see if the Browns don't decide to keep him, him get traded somewhere possibly at the end of at this year, beginning of next offseason and give him a chance to show out. Cause I still like Njoku, whether he's with the Browns or not, I think he's a really good kid and a really good player. And then I'm with you guys on Hooper. I'm just not as, not as sold on him as, as others. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps up in the top 12, because as we, I feel like mentioned on this podcast, every other episode after like the four or five tight ends, the rest of them can finish anywhere. Uh, but I, I don't expect him to have a huge season because I expect them to use him more as a blocker uh, than necessarily a guy who, who goes out and, and catches passes. Yeah. They're, they're tied to Hooper's contract for yeah. a number of years. It's uh, you know, I think if they tried to get out of it next year, they're going to have like 14 and a half million in yeah, dead caps. It, yeah. It's not a, a good contract to be trying to get out of. Yeah. I think the fourth year, right before that fourth year, they can get out of it for not a huge like cap hit. Cause I think four it's the same million, as, I think it is. Yeah. Him and Conklin. Cause I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, they, they did a good job of setting those up based on who they have to pay moving forward. They, they, loaded those contracts for these first couple years to allow the, them to pay guys like Miles Garrett this year, hopefully Baker and Nick Chubb, possibly Denzel Ward moving forward. I don't know if they can pay all three of them, but just kind of they, they, they gave themselves a very a good amount of flexibility there. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I really thought this episode was going to go longer than the others. We're only at like 32 minutes right now, and this is like the shortest we've talked about one team. It's a little depressing that it's the Browns. I really thought we'd be like at the 60-minute mark. I'm like, oh, shit, we got to rush the Bengals in really quick. Well, we all we all like like them. So. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of debate. It's, it's probably bad news. I think that's the way we were all last year too, and we saw how well that worked out. So, but let's let's do our over unders now. Matt is back with us, so we're not going to mess this up. Over bad, under good. We, we, we've yeah, got I already it. put it in the chat. Just in <laughs> I case. Saw. All right, so over under for Baker QB twelve in twenty twenty. Over or under? Uh, I'm going over. I have him at fifteen. I'm going over as well. I have him at fourteen. 
I will go under because I am going to let my fan come out. Although I think I have him at 12. I'm not sure. So I'm just going to hope you that he goes. Nine. You have oh, him at okay. nine. Even better. So then, yeah. You're way under. Hell yeah. Let's go. I'm going four, baby. I think he's going to beat out Lamar Jackson. No, I, I've got, I'm going the under here for Baker. So it's an ADP of 130. He is the 13th QB off the board. Uh, just before him, Daniel Jones, Tua Tunga Viola, and Aaron Rodgers. Would you take him over any of those three? Uh, I have Rodgers rated ahead of him. Um, I'm not taking, you, you know, are we talking dynasty? dynasty. Or we talking? Yeah, dynasty. Um, I'm probably not taking Tua over him either. And who was the other one? Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones and Rodgers. Uh, I've got him back to back. I have Mayfield ahead of him. So there's definitely scenarios where I, I'd go, you know, probably 70% Baker, 30% Jones, 80% Baker, 20% Jones out of 10 teams. I'd, uh, I'd take him over all three. Um, the closest one for me would probably be Jones, but I think Baker is in a better situation. It's weird to say Cleveland's a better situation <laughs> than anyone, but the, the Giants, there's a lot of questions that still have to be answered there. Yeah, uh, Jones is the closest one for me as well. I mean, uh, Tua is a, going to be a good player, but I think I don't know what Miami's offense is going to be. They need to improve that offensive line some. I think Baker, you know, he was a number one pick for a reason. I, I loved him coming out of Oklahoma. So I, I would – Jones would be close, but I think if I'm being honest with myself, if, if we're going 10 teams, I'm probably taking Baker 10 out of 10. I, I, I would want to diversify, but I don't think I could. So I would take him over all three. Just after him, Matt Ryan – Matthew Stafford and Cam Newton. I would not take any of those over Baker uh, moving forward. What about you guys? Um, I probably wouldn't take any of them over um, either. I think Stafford will be finished better this year, but uh, there's now become some questions about his long-term situation, which, uh, you know, in dynasty should give you a little bit of pause. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the Baker Mayfield train there. All right, so Nick Chubb, RB12, over or under? I had him at 12, so this feels kind of crushing. I think Dennis has him at 12, too. I'm going to go with under because I think he's more likely 11 than 13. Yeah, I'm going to go under as well. And I have him way under at eight, so I'm going to take the under. I'm, I'm all in on Nick Chubb this year. ADP of 13.3. He is the eighth RB off the board. Just ahead of him, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, and CEH. Would you take him over any of those three? I'd take him over Edward Zolaire. So it was uh, – Mixon, I mean, Cook – well, I know you want to take him over Mixon, so Cook and CEH. Yeah. <laughs> or you will take him over I, Mixon. I'm sorry. I uh, definitely take him. I, I actually think I, I might take him over all three. I We don't know. Like, Cook will probably be better this year, yeah. but we have no idea where he ends up. Does he end up in this favorable situation? To me, he's still a little bit of an injury risk until we can see him prove it more than just one out of three years. So or four years, whatever he's been in. So I I probably, if pressed, would take him over all of them. Yeah, I, I would as well. Um, you know, Mixon, he's in a contract year this year. We don't know it, if he's going to be back with Cincinnati. They have a really bad line to begin with. 
Uh, Cook, I actually heard on NFL radio today, there were some people talking about they think there's a better chance he's not back with Minnesota next year. They may just roll with Alexander Madison with their cap issues and everything going on. Don't know what Cook's situation looks like. I, I like CEH. He's he's going to be in a better offense when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Uh, but I, I think I still take Cook just because I – or not Cook, I'm sorry, Chubb, just because I think his rushing upside is going to be better than CEH's. Just behind him, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, and Miles Sanders. Would you take any of those three over Chubb? Uh, I have Sanders ranked ahead of him, so right now I'd, I'd take Sanders. I feel like Sanders is going to be more of a uh, rushing and receiving threat, so he's going to get the volume on both ends. And I get the whole, well, Doug Peterson uses a committee and versus the, well, Doug Peterson has never had a back like Miles Sanders, I think. But for the most part, 99% of the time, uh, the best players play. Yeah, and when they signed Devonta Freeman on September 10th, and he ends up carrying the ball 24 times on September 13th, we'll all be uh, crying into our soup. But uh, I would probably take Sanders over him. Um, it's a question for me for Taylor. I like his long-term prospects, so that's that's probably maybe a coin flip. Yeah, I'm with you. I think – I don't know if I would take Sanders, but him and Taylor would both be coin flips for me. And Taylor, he he's the exact same version of Chubb, and I hate to say this, but a little bit of a better runner than Chubb is. Taylor's phenomenal. He, he is a lead at almost everything except for pass catching. Uh, but I do think he's with a better offensive line. I mean, Indy has the best offensive line in the league, in my opinion, and he doesn't really have – I really do think Marlon Mack is going to get moved or he won't be with the team moving forward after this year. So Taylor has that backfield likely to himself moving forward where we don't know what's going to happen with, with Hunt. If for whatever reason the Browns keep Hunt, that's going to kill Chubb's value moving forward. So Taylor would probably be the one that I might lean going over Chubb just because I, I know for the most part I think I'm going to have Taylor in that backfield by himself moving forward. Kareem Hunt, RB24 in 2020, over or under? Over. I'm over as well. I guess I should look at my ranking since you guys are doing that. I have him just slightly over as well. I have him at 26. ADP of 62.67. He is RB23 off the board. Just ahead of him, David Montgomery, Melvin Gordon, and Todd Gurley. I would take him over all three. What would you guys do? Yeah, I think in Dynasty – um I don't know. Sometimes, man, I fall in love with the year one volume, and, and Montgomery's definitely getting volume this year. Uh, I feel like Gordon's volume is a, is a little bit more uncertain um, because of Philip Lindsay. And who was the third one? Uh, Todd Gurley, Mister Arthritic um, Knee. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'll take. But you know, Gurley could Gurley could rush for 700 yards this year and have 20 touchdowns. Yeah, but that's just it's, this year, and then he retires. Right. But I love, but you know, I, I love, I know Dynasty's about the future, but man, I love to win this year. I got you. I got you. So now I'm probably taking Hunt over Gurley. Yeah, I'd probably take him over Gurley and Gordon. I mean, honestly, at that point in the draft, I'm probably taking a wide receiver, but yeah. 
I'm with you. I just uh, off topic here for just a minute. See, Vic Fangio said that uh, Philip Lindsay is looking so good. There's no reason to name a starter. Philip Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon carry the ball enough to be co-starters. Yeah, and Melvin Gordon's hurt and said that he's having a really hard time. Yeah, breathing. I saw that. He can he can right off. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wasn't expecting that reaction i was hoping to get a little bit of a rise out of you <laughs> all right so right after hunt devin singletary james connor and duke johnson it was actually guys but i figured there's no reason in having guys on here anymore so i went duke wait none of you guys are taking guys <laughs> no i think i'm gonna pass uh so would you take any of those three over hunt who is it singletary and who else uh singletary connor and uh david johnson uh man i don't know if i believe in david johnson i want to just because i have so many i roster him in so many places uh but probably not uh i gotta I keep probably, my my own interest at heart <laughs> i probably take singletary He'd be close for me. I don't know. I'd probably go Singletary just because I more than likely own Chubb, and I'm not sure I want to own Chubb and Hunt. I don't know. I, I might have, I might go Hunt. That that would be the closest one for me, though, Singletary. Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver 12 in 2020, over or under? Over. I have him under. So. I have him over. I have him over as well. I have him at 16. ADP of 32.67. He is wide receiver 12 off the board. Just ahead of him, Galladay, Cooper, and A.J. Brown. I would take him easily over Cooper and Brown. Galladay would be a coin flip for me just based on age. What about you guys? I'm going Galladay and then Beckham. And then Beckham and Brown are a coin flip. Uh, but I'm I, I'm taking Beckham over Cooper. You're rubbing off on me, man. <laughs> you didn't rub off on me. I'm not taking him over any of them. Ooh, all right. Uh, just behind him, which I get, this is so insane to me, Julio Jones, Allen Robinson, and DK Metcalf. I love Odell. I'm taking Julio over Odell, but that's it. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Julio. Um, you know, even at what is he thirty? He's still got about yeah. three good, three pretty elite years left. Um, but that's the only one. I'm taking Julio and Allen Robinson. All right, interesting. Jarvis Landry, wide receiver, twenty four in twenty twenty, over or under? Push. I have him over. If I have to go, uh, there's there's plenty of guys right behind him that could push him down, so I'm going to say over. I am going to go under because I have Hollywood Brown and Amari Cooper right ahead of him, and Amari Cooper sucks, so I should move him up one spot anyway. So that will be changing here in a minute uh, when I have a chance to adjust my rankings. I feel like Amari Cooper Appreciation Society could be the name for uh, for the <laughs> thing that we're trying to name right now. No, not at all. No, I don't think anybody else – does anybody even like him? I don't even, no, I'm never – I was going to be really mean. I'm not going to say that. Amari Cooper is a fantastic human being and a very good wide receiver. I thought you were going to say that could be a good name for an emo band. No, I was going to be very, very mean, and I figured I shouldn't do that because Amari may want to come on the podcast one day and talk. And what I was going to say was is 
extremely uncalled for, so I will not say it. Uh, just before him, Michael Gallup, Hollywood Brown, and Debo Samuel. Would you take him over any of those three? Uh, looking at my ranks, I'm going to say yes. Yes, I would over all of them. I would probably take him over Brown. Uh, just because who knows what the passing situation uh, in Baltimore is going to be. But I actually like Gallup, um, so I, I would still take Gallup. And I can't remember the Debo. Debo, I mean, injuries are getting to be somewhat of a concern, but he's very talented and they like him a lot there. I, I still think he has a shot to be the top receiver, wide receiver, not top Yes. Uh, I would take him over Hollywood and Debo for sure. Uh, as Matt mentioned with Hollywood, uh, you don't know the volume, Debo, the injuries, and I, I think Ayuk's going to end up being the one there. And They don't have a very big passing game either. So I take him over both those. Gallup, I still like Gallup. I, I think he's going to be a stud. So I, I take Gallup over him. Just behind him, Devontae Parker, Henry Ruggs, and Christian Kirk. I would not take any of those three over Landry. Would you guys? Uh, uh, no. I mean, it's tempting to go Parker, but I just don't believe in his half a season of dominance. It's because you believe in the GOAT, Preston Williams. Yeah, I do. Uh, I would not take any of them over him either. Austin Hooper, tied in 15 in 2020. I feel like this is a no-brainer for all of us, but over-under. Over. I believe... I am too, but I have to. <laughs> I, I have hey, him over. So we have we have it coming out soon. I have him over. So. All right. Uh, he has an ADP of one seventeen. He is tied in twelve off the board, just ahead of him. Gasecki, Goddard, and Hawkinson. Would you take him over any of those three? That would be a no for me, dog. What about you guys? Uh, I concur. Right behind him, Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst, and Irv Smith Jr. Higby and Smith Jr., because I am buying all into those camp highlights that I keep seeing at Herb Smith now. So I would take those two over Hooper, but not Hurst. What about you guys? I think it's a coin flip with Hurst for me. I, right now, probably I'd go Hurst over Hooper because I feel like the next three years, Hurst is in the higher volume offense. So all things being equal for them, if they if they're going to – play all 16 games, there's not catastrophic injuries all over the line or the skill positions. Um, I think Hurst is going to get the better volume over the next three years, so uh, I'd take them all over him. Uh, I would probably just take Higby. David Njoku, tied in 24 in 2020, over or under? Under. Over. I am going under as well, at least I think. I didn't look at my rankings. But ADP of 196.33. He is tied in 26 off the board. Just ahead of him, O.J. Howard, Jack Doyle, and Jared Cook. Would you take him over any of those three? At the next commercial break, you should add David and Joku to your rankings. Yeah, I have oh, some bad, okay. bad, bad news for you, friend. Well, that's all right. We got to spice it up somehow. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> This take on David and Joku is good for about 15 hours. It is not sponsored by the rankings that will be dropping tomorrow. <laughs> Go ahead. 
What was the question again? I was. Uh, would you take him over? Would you take him over Howard Doyle and Cook? I don't even remember who I have ranked now. I got oh Blake Jarwin. Get out of here! All right, I figured out who he's going over now. Uh, yeah, I think I, <laughs> I, I would. Uh, it's. Am I? It depends. I'm if I'm taking Injoku, he's not my first tight end. So, depending on who I took as my first, I I can make the case for taking Doyle. Doyle, I think, is going to have a very solid floor. Um, but I do like I you know I I do like Injoku's talent, but uh, it's a coin flip with him and Doyle. Everybody else, no. Definitely taking him over Howard. Yeah, I would I would take him over all three. I, I like Doyle, but I think Njoku's upside is a little bit uh, more than Doyle's. Uh, just behind him, Devin Asiasi, Eric Ebron, and Will Disley. I would not take any of them over Njoku, would you? Nope. Ebron. <laughs> <laughs>